So I hope you enjoyed, uh, when I was gone, the uh, men who got to bring the word, um, as I shared with my brother-in-law last weekend, David, um, I realized that the men who came, um, many of you, they mean nothing to you. Like they, uh, you've never heard of them before, they're not uh, um, famous people, but I want to tell you those people mean the world to me and they're famous to me. And so uh, uh, we could have had famous people come, but we had people that are dear and near to me and my support. And so I was thankful for them uh, sharing with you. Um, I, I want to first thank you as a church. Uh, thank you for the time uh, to uh, rest and recuperate. Um, my kidney vacation or my kidney sabbatical, whatever you want to call it. Um, some of you are wondering what I did for the last month. Um, not much. Uh, I, you know, I, about six times a day, I went out and looked at my garden and saw how my tomatoes were growing, and I collected eggs, and then I went back and I took a nap after that, and then when I woke up, I watched a little TV, and then I went back and collected eggs and looked at the tomatoes and see, it. yeah, just back and forth. Um, didn't accomplish much at all. Um, an amazing nurse, uh, my wife, uh, she lived out her marriage vows, uh, and, uh, I, some of you have had to do that. Um, it's always a weird thing when people in their twenties get married and as a pastor, you look at them and you go, I don't know if I should really tell you what's coming next and what this is going to mean. Um, but uh, what a beautiful thing it is for my wife to be by my side and feel like God has grown our relationship even tighter in these last few months. Um, I did, uh, I know uh, Caleb read a message from us uh, a couple weeks ago, but um, I did want to tell you that we did receive a, a good report that I'm thankful for uh, in regards to my tumor uh, the report is they took the tumor out and uh, their, uh, the tumor had two kinds of cancer. This is more information than you need to know, but some of you are nosy. Um, and based on the tests, uh, they feel like these cancers were limited to the tumor uh, and that which they had taken out. Um, they found, uh, they checked uh, the margins, which is a fancy way of saying the fat around the kidney. Um, as well as the lymph nodes, and they found no cancer in that. And praise God for that. Um, yeah. And so uh, what this means for the future for me um, is that me, like many of you, uh, I get to go every three months uh, and hopefully a longer period of time in the future uh, to be checked for cancer. And so some of you can uh, tell me how that works. Uh, that you uh, set it on your calendar and then you look uh, and you hope they don't say anything. You know, you hope that they go and it's uneventful. Um, thank you as a church for praying for me. Um, I know that um, I don't want that to just be words. I, it d- did mean the world to me that you were praying for me and praying for my strength and for my wife and my kids, uh, what a blessing it is to have a church. And I want to tell you that you need a church. You need a church. Some of you don't think you do. 
uh, you think, oh, my life's not that bad. You know, I'll go for a little pick-me-up every once in a while. Maybe uh, I'll go on July 3rd because I like to be outside. But no, you need a church. And you don't need to be just casually connected to a church. You need people to know you and to be known like this relationship one to another. And I, I've needed that. And I thank you for your prayers and your cards, your encouragement, your food. I thank you for that as well. And uh, really your patience. I realized that um, uh, a pastor is supposed to be at church on Sunday. You can't like have options. And so for me to be gone for a month for me was a lot. And I, I know for you as well. And so just grateful to be back. Um, I don't know what this is going to go like. Some of you have asked, are you 100%? And I would say, no, I'm not. Um, but um, based upon what I've heard, uh, 100% is maybe a year away. <laughs> and so I figured forget that. Let's just go back. You know, uh, I feel like I'm like 70% and I didn't get much higher than that in high school. Um, and so good enough. Let's do it. Right. You know, um, so yeah, we praise God. Thank you. Thank you for your encouragement. Um, open up your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter six. I love to preach God's word. I love to hear what God has to say in a world that doesn't listen to him. There's been some things going on in the world. Did you notice? I watched a little bit of news in the last, like I don't follow the news that closely, but there's been some stuff going on. And um, I didn't really want to talk. I kind of wanted to talk to you about this, but I wanted to, uh, there's some young people here today, uh, middle schoolers. We forgot to tell you that, uh, there's no middle school group, so you get to sit in here. Uh, uh, we have some young people here. We have some young people uh, on their way to Utah right now. And I just want to encourage you who are older, uh, grandparents and parents, uh, make sure your kids understand about life, about life. Um, our choices, uh, first of all, uh, our choices, none of our choices are guaranteed to get what we want. We, we don't get choices like that. All our choices have everything to do with what God thinks, our creator thinks. And we don't get to choose uh, what goes on in our body, what, what happens. We, we don't get choices about what happens next, and we definitely don't get choices about life. That is God's. And so I just want you to check in with your college students, your high school students, your middle schoolers, and let them know. Let them know. Um, all your friends, your teachers, the godless commies that, you know, are around you, they may think that, uh, you, you know, the idea of your body, your choice. No. It's what does my creator design my body for? What are, what are his decisions? What, how do I follow him? Uh, I realize that that's an unpopular message, and if it is, so be it. So be it. Um. It's exciting to see the kids uh, leave today, and then in a couple of weeks, the middle schoolers are going as well, and Lord willing, there's like 80 or so kids between those two camps uh, going, and we, what a great opportunity we have. Um, so anyways, Romans chapter 6, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the first four verses as we continue in our study of Romans, uh, the great book of Romans. God, God's word says this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. 
How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. God, we thank you for this time and the the blessing of being in your word and to be a part of your church and to be here in this time and this place and this section of history. Uh, God, we just ask that you'd grant us much wisdom, that you'd help us to understand your will for us, uh, your plan in the gospel, and how we should now live uh, based upon your love for us and your the life that you've granted inside your son. Glorify yourself in your church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this morning, we're back uh, to the great book of Romans. And I, I want to tell you that, um, so as we talked about before, Roman, Rome was a, a a huge city, the biggest city in the world at this time, most important city in the world, uh, kind of like Tehachapi uh, today. There were millions of people, um, maybe up to 4 million people in this, this city, and, and there were people from all different cities around there and nationalities and customs and religions, and, and they all met in Rome, and Rome was this significant place. And when you go to a city, some of you have been to a big city before, just to visit just a visit. But um, uh, that idea of being in a big city, maybe you've been to LA or even better, New York, the idea that, that you're in the big city and there's everything that you can imagine right there for you. And you say, well, what do I want to do right now? What do I want to eat? Where do I want to go? What uh, situation? How do I want to recreate? What uh, customs or nationalities? In many big cities, there's pockets of nationalities and you can find whatever you want in the big city. And Rome was undoubtedly like this. But what about the gospel? What about uh, our need for a savior? I want to tell you that uh, I I thought a lot about this in this last month. uh, and, and, And maybe the question for us as we look to the book of Romans is I want to ask you a question. How good is your health? How good is your health? Like, do you know that your health is good? My good friend, Ray Vaughn, there he is right there. Good to see you, Ray. And I always ask him how he's doing. And he goes, I feel fine, but who knows what's going on inside of me. (laughs) And I thought about that, Ray, when I went to the doctor and they told me I had cancer. And I go, oh, I didn't know that. And, and you kind of, as, as a man, you think like this. So the problem here is I went to the doctor. <laughs> if I wouldn't have went to the doctor, I wouldn't have been sick. It's good logic right there. Some of you are thinking, that's good preaching, pastor, right? But how good is your health? Do, do you know that you're, you're okay? And, and when I say you're okay, that... that that you'll be okay for this next year, that you won't die. Do you know that? And you say, yeah, I'm I'm fit as a fiddle. I checked my blood work. I've been to the doctor. What about the next year? 
And you say, well, you know, I have really good health care. Do you? Have you tried it lately? You know, and when, yeah, they'll pay for it. Pay for what? They can get you better. You know, some of you hang out in the hospital all the time because you're in the medical field. The rest of us don't want to go there. And, and, you know, I went to USC, and that's where I had my surgery. And you just watch people coming and going. I, 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 when they were rolling me away to surgery, they were taking another woman, and she was alone. And I, I thought, yeah, this is the way this is, right? They wheel you in alone. And when you go into surgery, there's, there's thoughts, and you, you wonder what's going to happen. And for me, um, they said, yeah, it's going to be no big deal. It probably is nothing. But as I went in there, I was going, I don't know what this is going to be. I don't know. And, and the idea of laying there and going, you know, and they show me the robot that's going to do the surgery. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> right? And I go, is that the robot? And they said, yeah, that's the robot. And I go, Okay. Here I go. I slept through it, by the way. Uh, I, you don't know. How, how good is your health? How good is your health care? Can they solve the problems that you have coming up? How are your finances? Are you fine? How's the fuel and food bill doing? Right? you don't eat you don't know how much expensive it is but if you do you do is the economy going to be okay is the country going to be okay and, and and as i think about these things how are you doing how are you facing these things if you have all these things under control you know that you're not going to die you know you're not going to get sick you know you'll have everything you need for the future then you're fine leave go now you don't need us And you don't need Jesus. But they were in Rome. They had it all. And the message to Rome was like this. And just a review now, right? First chapter of the book of Romans, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. Even if you don't think you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And and it's true for all. It's true for the Jew as well as the non-Jew, and if you, you thought that you, maybe you were righteous because you did these good works and that made you righteous because you were better than everybody else, if you didn't get it in chapter 3, there's a reiteration. There is none righteous, not one. Not one. And so as we come together, there's none of us righteous, right? All of us needy. And there's a message for that. It's the gospel, It's that Jesus died for sinners. And as we look and and as we recap those those first five chapters, we realize that we are sinners, that that all were dead in their sins through Adam, but all that would choose and come to know Jesus can be made righteous, and that's called being justified. Being justified. None are righteous, but been made justified by what? By what Jesus did on the cross. And that brings us, that brings us to chapter 6. And I, I want to use these two words. That word justified, made righteous, is now moving. It doesn't say it in this first few verses, and it will come to this, but this idea of sanctification 
that God takes a, a dirty, dead sinner, a dirty, dead sinner, who is that? Everyone, everyone, dirty, dead sinner, takes them, us, you, me, takes us, makes us right. And now he's talking about now the life that we live and the continued work that God wants to do in our life after salvation, chapter six, and verses, uh, and verses and chapters following as well. So now we're going to talk about it. In verse one, what shall we say then? And what shall we say then is this connection to what's already been said. And in light of the fact that all in Adam died, they were sinful, all in Adam, everyone. But Christ, because of what he did on the cross, for those who trusted in him, can be made alive. And, and, and as he writes this, he's writing to those who have accepted this, the church at Rome. And as we talk about this this morning, my assumption is not necessarily true, but that most of you have come to faith. You've been justified already. And the question now is, uh, how do we think about our lives now? Now that we have been made alive, now that we have been justified, been made right, how do we now live? And not just how do we live, like how do we act? I think some of us have been more concerned about acting Christian than being a follower of Christ. And I want to make that distinction. This isn't about how you should act. This is about how you should live. You should live the the life that you now have. And so our first point this morning is how to think rightly about your life. The the question comes up, how shall we we say then? Like, how, how shall we think about or talk about the life that we now have? And he asks this question. He says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Do you get the question? If you look back to the previous chapters, it's all about the work of Jesus. It's all about the work of Jesus, that he did what we could not do. We were dead in sin, and so he did uh, that work of making us righteous that we could not do. And in so doing... There's this glory and this magnificence and this praise that is due the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit working in us. It's this praise that's deserved, the glory that is. It's going to speak of this in uh, the next few verses. And so the thinking of some wrong thinking is this. If God gets praise because I was such a great sinner... And that his grace came in my life. Man, that's great. I'll just sin more. I'll just sin more that God might be glorified more in me. Think about that. Some have referred to this as antinomianism, the idea of rejection of the law. Um, That's the wrong way to think. And I want to say it this way. The other wrong way to think has already been talked about. What, do you know the other wrong way to think? You can work your way to heaven. 
that you can be so good, you can be so good that God will somehow be pleased with you and he'll be impressed by you and he'll love you because you're so good. That's the other wrong way to think. It's already been dealt with really in much greater detail in the chapters before. The Jews thought themselves to be ones that followed the law and they, they, they said, I, you know, I do the 10, I, I've been taken care of, I know about that, I know that I'm good because I've been good and that's already been wiped off the table. There's none righteous. So don't think that, that's the other wrong way to think. But this different wrong way to think is this. Maybe because of the grace of God and his son Jesus, maybe it makes that sin doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If I'm saved, it doesn't matter how I live because there's this even warped, even a step past that. It's better when I sin. It's better because that will show that God is so good and kind and merciful and gracious that it's good that God can even take me, a filthy, rotten sinner who's continuing to sin, this is good. And some of you think that way this morning. I, I want to say some of us think that way. There's sins that we know are wrong and we still joke about them. We still do them. We don't think about them at all. We say, you know, this is just the way I talk. You know, I'm in construction. I'm in construction. I'm a correctional you know, officer. This is the way we talk. You know... I've, I've been in the military. I'm a sailor. I, I, I speak like a sailor. Is that the way these things work? You know, I, I'm prideful. I'm German. You know, that's just the way Germans are. I, I, I want to tell you, some of us think that it's just okay. It's just Okay. And and as you read this, this first verse, it brings up this question of the way you think about your life. And, And some of you look at the grace of God and you say, grace makes sin not matter, not matter, both in the past and in the future. And it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's, it's fine. It's good. And it's great even because it displays God's goodness. You might say to yourself, you know, uh, what a testimony I can have of the sins that I've committed, the filth that I've been a part of. And won't it be great, won't it be great that I can stand and, and give this testimony of how wicked I was? Well, that's the key, right? That he saved you from that. We're going to get to that. I'm jumping ahead, okay? Okay. So this question, how do you think rightly about your life? I want you to get in this first verse that though he doesn't describe um, really the answer of why, he makes it clear in this first verse in a Paul sort of way. He says, uh, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. I know that's kind of an awkward way of saying it, uh, by no means. It's, it's adamant screaming. It may not be screaming, but it's the idea of slamming the hand upon the desk and saying, no, no. 
It's not the idea of, well, you kind of messed it up a little bit. You kind of got it wrong. He says, no, by no means. This is not the way to think. You've got it wrong. Not a chance. No way. This is not the way to think. And I want to encourage us this morning. We've got to get this right. We've got to get it right. We've got to understand the grace of the gospel in the past that we might live in light of this grace in the future. So to think differently. And, uh, and, and this is all about the way to think. And I want to say the way to think because it's the way to think because the way you think is the way you will act and live. It's not, you know, it's not the hypocrisy of thinking one way and acting another. It's not this disconnect. It's not a, a show or an act. It's the reality of uh, the gospel at work in our lives. So we come to the, the second part, or the, really the second verse, how to think about your old life, your old life. And when I say your old life, what Christ would save you from. And, and I, I, I want to tell you that um, if you don't understand where you're a sinner, you won't realize that you need to be saved. And you won't realize what he is saving you from. How to think about your old life. Uh, And he asks a question that really answers the question. In in verse 2, after he says, by no means, he says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Right? We were dead sinners. We were dead sinners. And now he uses the term of died to sin. And he says, you've died to sin. You're done with sin. But the idea of we're dead to sin, we're dead, and, and, and he saved us from that. Now we're going to still live in it. That doesn't make sense, does it? it it's not logical. It's, it's not something that w- would help us think it through. If he has saved us from something, the idea is that we should abandon the very thing that he has saved us from. And then he asked a, a second question, and these are all kind of questions that are meant to answer the question. He, he says in verse 2, he says, by, by no means, how can we uh, who died to sin s- still live in it? This idea that, that we are, are stuck in it. The question is, the, the question is, if we've died to sin, can we still live it? Is there life in sin? Is there life in sin? What has drawn us to the gospel is the death that we were in. It's this, I know that there's emptiness. I know that we're dead in sin. Uh, I'm, I'm dead in sin. So I need life. Where can I find it? It's only in Jesus. Only in Jesus. Died to sin. Can we now live in it? And for us to make, draw that conclusion, there is not life in sin. There's life in Christ. Which brings us to point three. How do you think about your new life? I, 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 not how you think about your old life, but how do you think about this new life that Christ has won for you? And, and this is where all the keys are and 
I'm going to re-preach this part in two weeks. Um, so we'll, we'll hit it again hard, but I, I want to get started on it. Verse 3 says this. This is how to, how to uh, think about your new life. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized in his death? As we look at this, he uses the word baptism and, and baptize, and this, this idea, he, he brings the, the physical thing that we do to the meaning of what it is, okay? What is the meaning of baptism? The meaning of baptism is this idea of union and identification with Christ, why do we get baptized? We are showing publicly that we are united and identified with Christ. Well, what about Christ? His teachings? Well, sure. Who he was and how he lived? Yeah, that too. But what specifically? We are uniting with the gospel message, which is the events of the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. This is what we are claiming and identifying with when we get baptized. And as he uses this word baptize, he says you were identified or you came into union with Christ in his death, in his death. And and you look at that and you go, well, is that the good part? No. To die is not the good part. But, but it is kind of the good part too, right? Because what was your life before Christ? It was dead anyways, right? And didn't you want an end to that? A finishing of that life? Uh, being done with that? I hope so. If, if you're here today and you're still walking in sin and you go, man, that sounds good to be done with sin. Maybe the gospel's for you today. Maybe it's your day today. Baptized. He says, baptized in what? Baptized in his death. His death. You were buried. You were done for. The old life is done. Just as Jesus was buried, us, as we follow after Christ, we are baptized. We are connected with him. Union and identification with Christ's death. In verse 4, it says this, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. You see, the identification and the connection, the, our, our union with Christ in his death makes this too happen, that we would be raised. The resurrection of Jesus, just as he was raised to life. Now, now I want you to get this right in the middle here, and I, I mentioned this earlier. Did you see it says... Uh, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. The, the Father's work in the resurrection and the plan working out in His Son causes the Father, God the Father, to be praised and to be deserving of praise, that He would receive the glory. The picture here is this, that uh, the Father displays His glory in, in probably the greatest way of all time in the resurrection of Jesus. 
that he is now alive and that, that he is no longer dead, buried, but he rose from the dead. And what does this matter to us? Well, because in verse 4 it says, we too might walk in the newness of life. When you read, we too, you should be saying, wait, what? What are you talking about? Are you kidding me? I, I want to tell you, what I just read right there is the greatest part of the passage, maybe the chapter, maybe the book, for us. For us. And you say, maybe I don't get it. Maybe you don't. Because just as Christ was raised from the dead, if we have been united with him, if we've trusted in Christ, been connected with him in union, what does that mean? That just as Christ was raised from the dead and God's glory was displayed in that event for him, we too, we too, in a similar way, like Christ was raised from the dead and God's glory was displayed in him, we too. And what is it we too that we get? That we might walk in the newness of life. Walk in the newness of life. Um, the newness of life, that kind of stands out to me. And I, I know different translations uh, translate that a little bit different than the ESV. Um, it's a struggle. That, that idea of newness of life is different. It's, it's not just new life. It's not just new life. It's not just born again. It's not just born again. Let me talk to you about that. This newness of life, the reason it, it's I, um, translated probably well as newness of life, it, it's the character of the life that's now lived. It's not just a point in time. It, it, it's not just that dot. It's not just the birth, that point in time of birth. When were they born? They were born on this day at this time. It's not that. It's not that point. It is now the character and the quality of the life that is now given and granted and now lived. I I, want to tell you that it's from now on. It's from now on. What was the truth of your life before Jesus? What characterized your life before Jesus? Well, deadness. Why? Because of sin. What was your life before Christ? It was lost. It was stuck. It was dead in sin. That was the character of my life. It wasn't just a point in time. It wasn't just a singular event. It was my life. It was my life. I was born in sin And I got better at it and did more of it as time went on. It was the character of my life. Now, in newness, what is now the character of my life? This newness, this this idea of righteousness. I, I hate to use that word righteousness because we've already talked about this. But now your life is characterized by what Christ has done. Uh, many of you have seen that creepy movie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I don't know about that movie. So I was a kid and I didn't realize how weird it was until I got to be older. And Maybe the Germans wrote it or something like that. But there's a part in there that... that that is kind of the heart of man. That's, man's always looking for this. And it's towards the end. And uh, the chocolate factory guy, he, 
he, he says, this is the everlasting gobstopper. And it's this candy that will be the same new forever. And all of us know there's no everlasting gobstopper. I remember when I was, uh, there's a place in Santa Barbara, there's a candy shop that used to have a, um, this, can, this um, jawbreaker that was like this. It was huge. You couldn't even, and, and so I bought one. I bought one because I was a kid. And you just buy stuff like that when you're a kid. And you're like sugar, like ball of sugar, hard ball of sugar. And, and so I had that, and I'd work on it, man. I was disciplined about my, you know, and I'd work on it and lick it, and, you know, there would be this, you know, and, and after, after a month or two, it was just nasty, right? <laughs> Dirty, nasty. It wasn't everlasting. It lasted a long time, but it, it lost the newness, and eventually I threw it away because it was gross, or my mom threw it away, because um, moms just do that. I, I want to tell you that that nothing lasts forever, except the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he does in your life. Do, do you get this? The newness of life is not a point in time. It's now the character of your life. It's now the character of your life. This is amazing. In John chapter 3, I alluded to this earlier, Nicodemus and he was working with Jesus and trying to understand that, that what Jesus was, you know, handing out and he was offering. And uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus was blown away as many would, right? Born again? Wait a minute. How does this happen? Like I know about birth and when you're old, you can't get born again. Like that doesn't work. He uses this term born again, but I, I, I want to say this. I, I, wa- I want you to get this concept. To be born again is not a point in time or just a point in time. It's not just a point in time. You, you can say, have you been born again? Probably be a better question to say, are you born again? Are you in the newness of life? Is that now the character of your life because of Jesus? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he uses, Peter uses this again, and he's actually praising, and he's grateful, and praises are flowing from him because he understands what we have because of Jesus. And it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to tell you that the idea of being born again or walking in the newness of life, I want to step back a minute. That word walk, it's a favorite Paul word. John uses it too. And the idea of walking is now life, right? It's what, what they did. It's the steps they took and the things that they did. And and the idea is that this newness of life is now the pattern of life or the character of life. It's all the time. It's everything. It's in everything. And I want to tell you, that's true for the believer. Your relationship with Christ matters in your marriage. It matters that, that transformation work that he does, that sanctifying work that he does. It matters in your relationships. It matters in your work. It matters in the raising of your kids. I want to tell you, it matters in everything. 
Young people, it matters how you think. It matters what you look at. It matters the way you look at uh, things that are going on in the world. Whether it's this Pride Month or this decision of Supreme Court or this uh, thing that's right or wrong. And you say, I don't have an opinion. I want to know what God thinks. I want to walk in the newness of life. I've already had my own ways. I've already done my own thing. And it didn't work out so good. He saved me from that. Now I walk in the newness of life. Just as he was resurrected, I am resurrected. Me too. What he has received, God has been glorified in the resurrection of Jesus. I am now the one that God has been glorified in because of what he's done in me. Continually. The first day of school. I used to, you know, there's kind of this love-hate relationship with the first day of school. And some teachers, they, they thought that, you know, teachers, teachers. Uh, some teachers, they, they have their first day of school speech. And I heard this one over and over again. Not every teacher, but many teachers had this spiel that they would give that first day of school. And they thought that they were encouraging. They thought that they were encouraging. But for me, I was like, yeah, it sounds great. But they'd say this. They'd say this. They'd, you'd come into class and they'd say, hey, you know, my name's so-and-so. I've been teaching for the last hundred years. And da-da-da-da. I know everything. And I'm going to teach you everything I know. And you're going to listen. I'm going to talk. You're going to listen. And, um, and, and they'd say this. They'd say this. And this is, this is just great. And it was awful at the same time. they say, you all have A's today. You have perfect straight A's today. And I remember sitting in the, in the seat and thinking about that going, well, that's great. Never had straight A's before. I do today. Can we, can we just kind of, can I just drop out and we prorate the rest of the semester? Because in my mind, I, I thought to myself, well, yeah, the first day of school I have straight A's, but I'm going to mess up. This is going to fall apart. I, 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 I'm, this is going to fall apart because of me. I want to tell you, as we look in this newness of life, we realize this, that Jesus won this for us, and he continues to be committed to the sanctifying work in us forever. That he's doing this work. He's keeping the newness of life that we are to now walk in to live in. Hope you get excited about that. What we talked about today is on the basis of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and our identification and connection with Jesus in this. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being in your word. And uh, God, I just ask that you do your work in your church as we look to your word. God, thank you for um, the amazing time that we can have your eternal word with your church, uh, your redeemed church, your church that uh, you've done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves and that we now have the riches that are found in the resurrection that just as you worked in Christ and glorified yourself in him that you will do that in us. Help us to walk in the newness of life this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, next week.
next week. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time. We're going to do church the way as intended. Jesus did church this way, outside, outside. Uh, I want to encourage you to bring a chair or a hat. It might be a little hot. That's okay. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be great. Uh, I want to encourage you to come. Uh, if that's not for you, that's fine too. Please come here. Please come here. Be with your people. Uh, be encouraged. Next week, what I'm going to talk about next week is this. I'll give you the whole sermon, and it's going to be longer than what I do right now. But we're going to talk about looking for a new king and a new kingdom from the book of Revelation. Um, it's going to be not the whole book, and I'm not going to t- tell everything that I can figure out and everything. But I want to tell you, uh, this world, this world, and you and I, we've always been looking for a new king. Many times for us as Americans, we've wanted to be the new king, or at least our own king, right? But looking for a new king and a new kingdom. It's the only hope for our world today. So I hope to see you next week. God bless you. Thank you. Jesus. Jesus is good.